So, uh, great big giant words, uh, easier said than done and lived. And those of us who have been on a journey with Jesus for a while, we, we know this. We've probably already, maybe at least once, maybe multiple times, bumped into this hard to crawl out of the chrysalis idea. Those of you who may be here who are just on a journey of beginning to understand this idea of who God is and who he chooses to be and who we want him to be in our lives, um, I'm very excited about the words we've been able, that I get to share today and that I was able to share last week. Uh, We are in a series on joy for a month, and I'm thankful because I believe we need it so much. We need to be awakened and to remember what joy really is. So last week, I know in summer we have a lot of turnover, people on vacation and in and out. So just for a quick review, last week we talked about what is joy. And uh, I shared with you all that joy is not a personality trait that some people have and others don't. And joy is not an emotion that can come and go. But joy is actually the production of God. It's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And I don't believe you can have it outside of God. You can feel an awakening to it or a breath of it, but to know true joy, you have to know the, the one who made it, and it's God himself. Um, I shared with you last week, you could substitute the word joy for God desire, and um, the word in the Greek, kara, uh, we're going to talk about that a little bit more, actually means to recognize God. And it's easier to understand joy and to recognize God when you know the gospel. And I shared with you how I had forgotten about the best part of the story, and that's the last part of the story of the good news, and that's that life follows death, that life comes to dead places. That's the full gospel. Not only that Jesus lived and that he died, but that he rose again, and now we, those of us who um, are hidden in Christ and believe in him as our Savior and as our Lord, we get to experience that very same resurrection as Jesus brings life to dead places in us and through us and around us. And this week uh, is titled Joy Stealers, the things that threaten to steal our joy. Uh, once we understand what joy is, now we ha- today we're going to talk about what happens or how do we handle those things that try and steal it. And I guess uh, what I'd like to do, if you read the Highland Update, I gave a little spoiler, but I want to rename Joy Stealers to Joy Makers, because I believe that those things that obstacles and difficulties, trials, sorrows, and sufferings that we say are stealing our joy or threatening to steal our joy are actually the things that have arrived to make joy in us. And how, how does that work? I'm very excited to share this with you, though it wasn't exciting to learn it the very first time that I really encountered a suffering that... Um, was so painful and so great that I, you know, didn't know if I'd be able to get through it. I needed something more than I had myself to be able to get through this, this hardship. We were living in New York. It was, uh, over 10 years ago and <clears throat> we had moved there for new jobs. And within a pile of months, Shannon and I both had lost our jobs. We were away from our family. We had had some really difficult relational strains. We, uh, were uh, working in a ministry that we had been in for about 15 years that died while we were in New York, and then our daughter's health began to fail. And it didn't matter which obstacle or which trial or which difficulty or which sorrow or which suffering, I felt completely surrounded. In fact, one day I sat down with a notebook, piece of paper, and 
said to God, I'm going to have to actually take assessment of all the things I'm grieving right now so that I can under, so I can take them one at a time and begin to ask your help for them. And it was in this time that God began to teach me the mystery or the lesson of abiding with him, doing life with him always, not just at church on Sunday, not just when I'm having a quiet time, not just when I'm surrounded by other Christ followers, but all day long. And I'm going to be talking about that on the last day of this series, like learning how to do the dishes with Jesus. Exactly. I'm not kidding. I'm going to teach you how to do that. Or driving down the car, doing your work or whatever it is you do. But that was exactly what Jesus was beginning to teach me how to do. And it comes out of John 15, where he says, to remain in me, stay, stay. Don't in and out, don't come occasionally, don't visit, stay with me. Well, I kind of knew that was possible when things were good, but I hit this place where things were really, really hard. And I was about to be introduced to a new part of Jesus Um, that was very real, but I was about to experience it for the first time. And I'm so, so, so thankful that he has brought me to this place and that I'm still practicing today, all these years later, and still learning it and still growing. Like Paul said, not that I have already obtained all this, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. And that's this idea, stay, remain, let your joy be complete. Stay with me. There's a story that was told uh, uh, that I read about several years ago out of a book called God Chaser. Some of you may have read it, but it was a great story, and I've never forgotten it. And it was this story about a man who was profoundly obese, and he was um, around a church, and one of the members of the church wanted to get to know him a little better, but he always kind of stayed to himself, and he invited him to come to his house, and um, this man arrived at the home and came and knocked on the door. They greeted him at the door, and he stepped inside. But he seemed hesitant to come any farther. So they were trying to make small talk and welcome him in and all of those things, but he wouldn't take his coat off, and he didn't come any farther. And then pretty soon he began making excuses for, well, something has come up, and I don't think I can stay. Thank you for inviting me. And then he walked out the door, closed it, and was gone. And they were completely puzzled as to why he wouldn't come in inside with them. It was later that they came to understand that it really was his size. And he said he stood in the entrance of their home and he scanned their living room. And he said this, if you really wanted me to come, you would have made a place big enough for me to sit down. So he didn't feel truly welcome. And the speaker, the writer of the book, tied that very tightly to the bigness of the presence of God. And we say, we want more of you, God. We want you to come close. We want, we want you to come near. And we sing these songs and, and, and we'll come into church. And we want him to come near. And yet, he's big. And when his bigness confronts our smallness, typically there's some tension that comes because things need to change. There needs to be a piece of furniture or a place or an area in your heart that's big enough for him to sit down and remain and stay just as he wants us to remain and stay with him. And so things need to get moved around in our heart 
to make room for God if indeed we really do want to come closer to him. And why I want to tell you today that I think these trials, obstacles, sorrows, and sufferings and difficulties are actually joy makers instead of joy stealers is because I know this to be true about most of us. The human condition isn't brave enough to make room for God. Most of the time, we need something in our journey that shakes us, that makes us aware of our need for him, And those are the moments when we begin to cry out, and it's in those moments that God's power begins to swell inside our tininess and give us something that we don't have on our own, something that makes us strong enough to endure the trial, the difficulty, the obstacle, to get over it, to get around it, to get through it, to get to the other side of it. It takes something beyond flesh. It's God's Spirit. He needs us to make room in our hearts for Him And when we're not brave enough, he knows often sorrow and suffering is his tool. Many of us know this and have walked it and have already learned this. Our journals are full of this reality of how close Jesus comes in the hard moments. When I was going through this season that was so difficult, um, I have a very active imagination. And whenever these trials or obstacles or difficulties or sorrows or sufferings would come, They were, in my mind, a door of fire. Whether it was a a bad phone call from the doctor telling us news we didn't want to hear, or a a stack of bills that we didn't know how we were going to pay, or the ache and loneliness in my heart being estranged or far away um, from people that I loved and didn't feel like I could could connect to them, dealing with things, feelings of failure and, and this job loss. It didn't matter what it was. Whenever I felt that, it felt like a door of fire. And I can honestly tell you, not then and not now, there has never been one time when the door of fire has popped into my brain that I went, yeah, woo-hoo, can't wait to do this. Never, not once. My instinct every time is dread. I don't like it. I don't want it. And that when I talked to you guys last week about James saying, count it all joy when you face trials of many kinds. And that just is like a, that's a head scratcher. If joy is an emotion, but if joy is actually desire for God, recognition of God, then you can say, count it all God desire when you face trials of many kinds. That makes sense. Because when the door of fire pops up, you have a choice, not often about going through it. We have to do these things, but how you go through it. If you go through it without Jesus, you'll get burned, and the burn will really never heal. It'll just get hard and calloused, and it'll be a place of bitterness. And actually, it might even do the Grinch thing to you. It might shrink your heart two sizes too small. But if you go through the door of fire with Jesus, this amazing miracle happens and really the glory of God comes into your tininess and stretches out your heart where there's more room for him and there is this grace that shows up that you can't even describe with words. And I can tell you this without exception every time I have gone through that door of fire with Jesus, I get on the other side and I am overwhelmed by the intimate presence of Christ I cannot describe it. I can only tell you it's real. It's as if he is breathing down the back of my neck. He is holding me in a way I I did not know on the other side of the door. But in suffering, his presence has been made so real that I get on the other side and nothing has changed around me. The circumstance is still hard, 
but I am crying with the reality of the presence of Christ with me in that trial, giving me what I need. And that's why it isn't a joy stealer. No, it is not. It is a joy maker. Jesus said in John 15, remain in my love, stay. I have told you this so that my joy will be in you and that your joy will be complete. I said it last week. I'll say it again this week. Substitute those words. I have told you this so that my God desire will be in you and that your God desire will be complete. Because when you stand on the outside of the door of fire, trial, difficulty, suffering, whatever it is, you have a choice. Are you going to do it by yourself or are you going to do it with Jesus? And that's the difference between joy stealers and joy makers. If you hold on to his hand and you walk through that door, you will find that your heart has stretched and there is great power. Now, to take this all the way into the Word of God, um, Ann Voskamp that wrote 1,000 Gifts, beautiful, beautiful teaching that I, it's so rich and so yummy and so deep that I've been chewing on it for months, as I'm sure many of you have if you've read her book. But she um, was on a journey of learning to be thankful. Give thanks in all circumstances, as Miss Sue was talking with the children. Be joyful always. How do you really, really do that? We're in a culture that is battling despair and depression. There's so many sufferings and trials, and ironically, we're a very blessed country. We have a lot of abundance, but there's something missing. And we've got a lot of people, and Anne was one of them, that was struggling with depression, and she began this journey of thankfulness learning how to be thankful, and that's the idea of 1,000 gifts, to write down the 1,000 things she was thankful for and that journey and how it healed her. And in the midst of that, she was doing a study and came across the word Eucharistio, which is out of Luke 22, and it's the story of when Jesus lifted up the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks. And he knew that bread was a symbol of his suffering. He knew his body was going to be broken, broken bread and poured out wine. But in that moment of that suffering, he gave thanks. And the word literally is translated Eucharistio. Thankfulness is made up of two other words. And it's not just an accidental translation. It's impacting powerful, life-altering truth. Inside of thankfulness, when you grab onto that door of fire and you begin to thank God, even though I walk... Through the valley of the shadow of death, your perfect love is casting out fear. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He is with me. Surely goodness, love, and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Even he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. God, I thank you that you're with me. And I, I put my hand on that door and I open it up. What I find on the other side of the door is the word in the middle of Eucharistio, charis, C-H-A-R-I-S, grace. As I'm walking through thankfulness, I find grace. Oh, wow. I don't know how it's happening, but I have a strength I cannot explain to face or to do or to overcome what is in front of me. That must be you, God, because not only have you asked me to remain with you, you promised to remain with me. Even now, even in this moment, here is grace. Here is a grace I cannot explain as I thank you for being with me. And then when you get through the grace, you find the smallest word in Eucharistio, kara, which is joy. Oh, 
just suck on that for like the next decade. I'm not kidding. Marinate deep because your flesh wants to resist that. But that is the living word made bread for you to eat and chew on. Why does Jesus repeatedly say, and why do the writers of the New Testament repeatedly say, give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because we enter his gates with thanksgiving in our heart. You want to get in there? You go thankful. As soon as thanksgiving comes, then comes grace and then comes joy. They're tied together all inside the same word. We do this with Jesus, not separate from him. And when we do this, we get to experience the resurrection power of Christ that he brings life to dead places. We're going to sit inside this thought for a little while in worship. Um, in just a moment, I'm going to share, uh, we, we're going to be sharing in some songs that are intentionally picked to, to, to marinate this concept of, of what we want to do with our hearts. Do we want them to be grinched up with sorrow and suffering and difficulty? Two sizes too small? Or do we want them to swell into where, uh, where 2 Corinthians says, not only have I been comforted, but I have so much comfort. I'm, I've got extra to share. Not only is my heart not two sizes too small, it's kind of like two sizes too big. It's approaching the size of God. And yeah, life's still hard. My circumstances haven't changed, but this grace has appeared. This joy has appeared in the middle of the pain. And I have something that I can share with you, even in the middle of my suffering. Um, Highland has been about uh, this theme this year. Shannon has said it many times, and it's alter your life. A-L-T-A-R and also A-L-T-E-R. And just so you know, it's not just a, a joke. It's not a, oh, that'll, that'll be neat. Let's do that this year. Let, let's p- print posters that say alter your life because it's kind of cool and it's got this little clever thing about the word. You can spell it both ways and, you know, it'll be neat. And Nate, make a graphic and we'll put them up and, you know, we'll talk about it a little bit this year. I don't know what church has become, but I just want to tell you, God is still speaking to his people. And that theme isn't a joke. God is saying that to Highland right now. It is real. Highland, Highland Christian Church, wherever you are inside this church, been here a long time, just coming to check it out, I don't know. But the word from God to you is, I'm not kidding, alter your life. Get up there, get up there and offer me yourself. I want you. I want you. I have a mission for this church. I'm ready to release it into you. I've got, but get, let go of what you're white knuckling and get up there and give it to me. It is no different than Abraham. Get up the mountain and offer Isaac. And when he got up there, he put Isaac up on the altar. He raised his knife and God held it and said, no, I'll provide the sacrifice. And I want to tell you what we're finding. Those of us who are climbing up on the altar and offering ourselves is we're finding the same thing to be true that Abraham found. Our sacrifice isn't sufficient enough. It isn't going to ever be about us. God says the same thing to us. No, no, now I know that you're not withholding anything from me. Now I'm going to make it happen in a way you would have never imagined. This is a study about my sufficiency, not yours. I just want you up on the altar, surrendered to me. Alter your life, Highland. It isn't a joke. I'm not kidding. God knows I'm telling you. 
It's something each of us, all of us, nobody is excluded from this. This isn't just for the staff or the gel leaders or, or the kids or, or, or Fight Club and Flintstones. It's for every one of us to have some all-by-self time with Jesus and answer the question, is there something more, Jesus, you're asking of me because I'm part of this church and you're, you're saying all to your life? Opening my hands, climbing up and saying, all this, all this, all this, all this is yours. Now speak, Lord, speak. Your servant is listening. But that isn't the only word in alter your life. There's a second part to it, A-L-T-E-R. And this is what I'm trying to tell you guys. God, I really believe, is coming, is coming very near. And, and things around here need to change in us, through us, around us, literally. Furniture needs to move. Habits need to change. Schedules need to look different. God wants more space in your calendar. Alter your life. Literally sit at home and ask God, am I moving with you? Here's my journey. Am I keeping in step with your Holy Spirit? Or is there something else you would have me to be about? Alter, A-L-T-E-R, alter your life. Walk through that door of fire with him. And let him give counsel to everything. Open your hands wide. God is so big and he needs more space in our heart. And I believe that, I really do believe this place has been set apart, anointed for a certain sound. And it's joyful and it's strong and it's full of hope. And it's the one that says, life is coming. Life is coming. Life is is coming. We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. In closing, what I'd like to ask you to do as we prepare to go into worship is if you're willing, if you would just go ahead and stand with me and I would like to teach you one other thing or share with you one other thing. When I was going through this difficult time in New York, I asked God often, what posture would you have me to assume as I'm going through this door of fire? Do you want me, you know, like, like this, like duck and cover? Do you want me to crawl? You want me on my face? What posture do you want me in? And I was earnest in asking God that. I want to have your strength to go through this, Lord. What posture do you want me in? And that night I went to sleep and in the middle of the night, one of the kids needed me and I got up and was working with them and trying to go back to sleep, but I couldn't get a song out of my head. All night long, the song kept coming. And it was the song, we stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And it was about a couple hours later that I realized God was answering my question. What posture do you want me to assume, Jesus? We stand and lift up our hands for the joy of the Lord is our strength. And this may be strange or awkward, but if you're willing, I would like to ask all of you just to do the exercise of standing and lifting your hands all the way up. And not this way, but this way. All the way extended arms. Wow, why do we avoid this position? We do it. We do avoid it. Are we vulnerable? Can we defend ourselves? No, we can't. We're wide open. And what are we saying when our hands are up like this if somebody pulls a gun on us? What are, what are we saying? I surrender. Well, that's a good way to go through suffering. Like this. I surrender. What, how, when a child does this, what are they saying? Hold me. 
And that works too when you're going through suffering. And in church, when the saints gather, what are we, what are we saying? We praise you. We adore you. This is a posture of praise. I don't understand all of it. It's almost like we're lifting his name up physically with our hands, like above us. You belong up there, God. You belong high and exalted. And I want to submit to you, church, today that this is the posture. This is how you do suffering and sorrow and difficulty. And you quickly get your hands up. Quickly get your hands up. And say, do it with me, Jesus. Do it with me. Do it with me. Hold me. I surrender. I praise you. And Shannon reminded the service before that this is also the sign of victory when you cross the finish line, right? You can put your hands down. As we sing and worship, I want you to really wrestle with this in the moment you find yourself in and ask Jesus to press it deep. This is how joy is made, not stolen. For our hearts to swell. This is the this is the word of the Lord for the church. Listen. Listen. He's giving you the way out. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will give us ears to hear and hearts that understand. And I do pray, Lord, that we will astonish you with our faith, astonish you with our joy as we face these doors of fire in our life, that we have great faith you're going to meet us, great thankfulness that you're with us, and the grace to endure and even joy, unmistakable, difficult to explain, joy. Because our desire for you has only swelled and gotten bigger inside these trials, not smaller. We want you more, not less. And it's coming true what you said, that your joy would be in us and that our joy would be complete. We're going to enter into a time of just prayer. The first song is a new song that you don't know, but I asked Nate to lead it. It's very easy, but it's big, brave words, beautiful prayer. So I encourage you to listen, and if you need to move, do so. Often what you're doing when you go like this is you're bringing flesh into agreement with spirit, or you're making the outside look like what's going on on the inside and not trying to cut yourself in half. So if there's some expression you need, whether it's kneeling, coming down, standing up like this in a very bold way to say this is an altar thing for me, I have something and Jesus clearly is asking, he's messing with me and I'm surrendering. I encourage you during this song to listen and to move as you feel compelled and sing as the words become familiar to you. Following that, communion will be offered. The second song, communion will be offered and that's Eucharistio. That's broken bread and poured out wine, joy and suffering, hand in hand. And when you take communion, you're saying, I remember you, Jesus, you're my friend. And you said that you would do this journey with me, and I'm saying I'm going to do it with you. I'm going to remember you, and I'm not going to do this without you. Make my heart big enough. Push things around in me. Alter me so that I can swell inside the glory of all you're bringing in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. So Lord, hear us as we pray and let these words be honest and true words. Stretch out more space in our heart for joy, Lord. In Jesus' high and holy name we pray, amen.